We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Bushevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up? Welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. The Oklahoma City Thunder lost to the Boston Celtics tonight by a final score of 132 to 123. It was a night in which there was no lack of offense. Boston has the number one defense in the entire NBA. Oklahoma City has the worst offense in the entire NBA. You would think this would be a game in which the Thunder would get blown out. And, and to be frank, they, they did for the majority of the game. But down the stretch... Shea Gildas Alexander, Trey Mann, put on a show and and really made this game sort of close at the end. I don't think it was ever a game in which we thought the Thunder were going to win. But nonetheless, uh, very exciting stuff from, from two of the young rising Thunder guards and, and gives a lot of optimism for the for the future. And so the way this game started out was very rough. So it was, a, it was an uphill climb from the get-go. So the Celtics jumped out to what I think was a 13 to nothing start to the game. Um, may have actually been worse than that. I'm trying to think back to what that actually was. Um, but from there, the Thunder really capitalized and, and played them well the majority of the game. Like I said, they ended up losing by nine points. So outside of that introductory run by Boston, uh, which really set the tone, I think the Thunder did a great job of responding after that initial gut punch. But all things considered, like taking that that first few minutes in which the Thunder couldn't score and, and Boston got out to that big lead, the, the Thunder really, really played well. And, and it was a back-and-forth affair, like I mentioned, a lot of offense. And what really closed the gap was Trey Mann in the first half. SGA ended up having 30 points in the game. We'll, we'll touch on final box score here in a little bit. But the first half was Trey Mann. And you know, similar to the game two or three games ago against Miami in which he had the 20-point second quarter. Trey Mann once again had an outstanding uh, second quarter here against the Boston Celtics. Over a span of roughly two and a half minutes, Trey Mann scored 15 points. He finished the first half six for six from beyond the arc. Um, It was his second 20-point quarter in just three games. Uh, At halftime, 
Trey had 26 points on 9 of 12 shooting with 7 of 7 from beyond the arc. The rest of the Thunder, 25 points, 11 of 36 shooting, 1 of 12 from 3. So in the first half, Trey Mann outscored every single one of his teammates combined. If it wasn't for him, the Celtics may have been up 25-30 at halftime, but Trey made it close. In fact, in the first half, those seven three-pointers he made were a Thunder rookie record for, uh, or tied a Thunder rookie record for most threes in a game. Uh, Coincidentally enough, Alexei Pokashevsky actually held that record previously. And so by halftime, Trey had already tied that rookie record for most three-pointers made in a game. Ultimately, he went 0 for 5 in the second half. Uh, he still played great in the second. He ended up with a, a th- another Thunder rookie record, uh, 35 points. Um, that's the most points by any Oklahoma City rookie in, in team history. You think about some of the guys that have come through this organization, um, homegrown drafted guys, so players that were actual rookies in Oklahoma City. And Trey Mann now holds the record for most points as a rookie. I tweeted this out. I by no means am saying Trey Mann is the next James Harden, but it's hard to ignore just how good he's been offensively as a rookie. It's, it's been a lot of up and downs, right? He's had several 30 point games. Um, it's been a lot of games where, especially in the year 2022, since the turn of the calendar year, he started to get a lot more comfortable. He had that stint in the G League where he got his footing, and he's been awesome at the kind of the second half of the season. But when you look at his ability to score. And again, James Harden was on a team that was much more competitive um, in his early years and was coming off the bench and played a much different role. This team, like someone's got to score, especially with how many players are injured. But the fact that he's able to to, to hold that rookie record now, um, just, just remarkable. I still don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know if he's a guy, especially if the Thunder draft, like a Jaden Ivey uh, in the first round of this upcoming draft. And even beyond that, they're going to have the chance to take some other really prolific guards uh, in 2023, 2024, etc. Trey's role may be like one of the best sixth men in the entire league at some point in his career, especially in terms of scoring. Um, just just really awesome stuff. This is one of those games where the final score was a little bit close, but the game was really a blowout for the majority of the game, like I mentioned. But you have these like kind of silver linings with with Trey Mann and um, just one of the best performances of any rookie this season. And once again, Sam Presti strikes again, gets Trey Mann at 18th overall, and, and he's already starting to get better and better and better and better to the point where last season, a lot of us were excited about Poku and Teo down the stretch. Uh, they had some really awesome performances and, and similar there, like n- nobody really was thinking that those guys were going to be stars in this league. Trey Mann feels quite a bit different. Like some of the things he's done are just next level, like rookie or not like Christian Wood tonight, who's a player that some people are high on. Some people are not, but he he is a starting caliber big in this league. And he's a guy that can put up points in a hurry. He had a career night tonight. His first time scoring 35 points was tonight. He's been in the league for a long time. Like Trey Mann has not even played a full season and he's already scored 35 points. So just impressive stuff from him overall. He finished with, like I said, 35 points, that record. Also had seven rebounds, four assists, um, seven of 12 from three, two of three from the line. Like if he would have gotten to the line more, that's something Oklahoma City didn't get really any calls. They they only shot 14 free throws the entire game to um, Boston shot 34. So 
quite the free throw discrepancy. If he gets to the line, you know, five, six, seven, eight more times and get some of those calls, he probably drops 40. Um, so just impressive stuff from him, 13 of 21. Anytime a guy can score 35 points on 21 shots, uh, just super impressive stuff. And for context, SGA shot uh, 13 to 23, so made the same amount of field goals. A um, couple more shot attempts. He was actually perfect from beyond the arc, 4 of 4 from deep for SGA. Only got to the line one time. Again, huge free throw discrepancy. SGA typically is, is starting to get those borderline star calls. There's a lot of and ones you see Shea get, especially of late uh, over this recent stretch of success, but he finishes with 31 points. And then Darius Baisley, 22 points on 8 of 13 shooting to go along with 10 rebounds. He rounded out the offense. Roby was was the uh, the starting center tonight, had 0 points, 7 rebounds. So he didn't score much, um, didn't score at all. And then Aaron Wiggins was the final starter with, with 8 points. Uh, off the bench, really nothing to show for outside of Poku. He had 19 points on 13 shots, uh, sort of efficient. 7 of 13 isn't horrible. He was 3 of 8 from deep, but also pulled down 6 rebounds, had 3 assists. Outside of him, only 7 points from the bench. Like The, the two things that stick out, the reason the Thunder lost this game, obviously the, the Celtics are much more talented. There was no expectation the Thunder would win, but if you had to point to maybe two things um, that resulted in the Thunder taking this loss, it was, it was free throws. Um, like I mentioned, Boston made, let's see here, they had 29 free throw makes on 34 attempts. Oklahoma City only had 10. So that is a 19-point difference in, in terms of free throw points generated. And um, outside of that, just bench uh, bench performance. You know, Boston didn't necessarily have the greatest bench tonight either. But outside of Poku, like I said, only had, it was actually eight points from the bench. Lindy had three, Teo had three, Veet had two. So no bench production outside of Poku and a uh, huge lack of, of free throw production for the Thunder tonight. So I want to talk themes. That's that's really my overall thoughts on this game. Um, if you didn't have a chance to catch this one, I think you should go back and watch it. I think it's one of those that's definitely worth it. Um, just just seeing Trey Mann do what he did, seeing Poku and Baisley have, have solid nights, and then Shea really take over down the stretch. He was scoring at will. It was almost like, like Brown and Tatum were going back and forth with Shea and Mann all game. Uh, in fact, Shea and, and Trey both combined outscored Tatum and Brown, which, I mean, someone's got to score. Like, Boston has more guys that should and could produce, so there's more opportunity for SGA and Trey Mann to generate those points, but still pretty impressive from both of those two guys. But like I said, uh, pivoting from that game, um, you know, I mentioned Christian Wood and the Rockets. Christian Wood had that career high tonight. Um, they actually won. They they beat the uh, Washington Wizards, which gets them to 18 wins. And the reason I want to talk about this is because Thunder lose their 10th straight game. Um, they continue to allow other teams to inch closer in the reverse standings. Um, some of the other teams ahead of them, Houston, Orlando, Detroit, continue to win here and there, which has closed the gap. I think three weeks ago, four weeks ago, if you were to, to look at the reverse standings and give a percent chance that Oklahoma City could um, rise from the fourth best lottery odds, it looked slim to none. Some of those teams were four, five, six games away, and we didn't expect those guys or those teams to to win games. But now things look much closer with with about ten games left in the season. So with that Houston win, they now have eighteen wins on the season. They're eighteen and fifty four. 
Um, Detroit nearly pulled off a win against the Portland Trailblazers tonight. They are at 19 and 53. Orlando, after beating Oklahoma City last night, also 19 and 53. And then you've got Oklahoma City on that 10 game losing streak, are 20 and 52. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oklahoma City plays Orlando next on Wednesday night. If Orlando were to beat them, Oklahoma City would then have the third best lottery odds. Um, They play Detroit next week. Detroit also has some other games they could potentially win between now and then and then down the stretch of the season. Um, So seriously, like like thinking Wednesday night, like if we fast forward two days and Orlando beats Oklahoma City, they will essentially be locked in, not locked in, but they'll, they'll be currently holding the third best odds. They'll be one game behind Detroit in the reverse standings with, with them still on the docket. And they'll be only two games behind Houston. Um, I think it's it's probably unlikely that that they get to one. But at this point, like two feels real. So what that means, um, e- even if even if one isn't in play, and just a reminder, like the the reverse standings at the end of the season um, by no means is like the guarantee that that's where your pick ends up. But the the odds get much, much better when when you get into that top three. So the top three teams all have a 14% chance at the top pick. Um, They also all have a 13.4% chance at number two and a 12.7% chance at number three, uh, a 12.0% chance at number four. So being in the top three, like the the odds of having um, one, two, three, four are even. It's it's the trailing picks in which... um, Essentially, your your floor starts to fall. So, uh, pick one, you the worst possible uh, draft pick you get is five. Uh, second best odds, the worst possible is sixth. Third best, worst possible is the seventh pick, and and that's really for Oklahoma City, especially last year when they had the fourth best odds and they got pick six. That, that wasn't the worst case scenario because theoretically the worst case would have been the eighth pick, um, but whenever you propel yourself into the top three, you start to get those even odds at one, two, three, four. And, and just, especially with, with how frequently we've seen some of these teams jump on lottery night, um, thinking back to like the Pelicans getting Zion, um, the Grizzlies getting Ja Morant, like every percentage point counts. And although currently at fourth, the Thunder would have a 12.5% chance and a 12.2% chance and an 11.9% chance at one, two, and three respectively, that's really only like a percentage and a half 
um, for like pick one that you're losing um, 1.2% on number two and like less than a percent that you're losing on, on pick number three. But every single percentage point matters. It's just like another lottery ball that you're throwing in. And if they were able to get even three, like two, like I said, still attainable, like two could definitely happen. Um, four seems to be the worst the Thunder could end up being at this point, barring some random winning streak, which isn't likely, especially with Josh Giddy not even being reevaluated until end of this week. So Josh is for sure out through Sunday at the earliest. That's when he's being reevaluated. He may not come back at all, to be honest. Um, obviously, Lou Dort's out for the season. Ty Drum's out for the season. Muscala's out for the season. Kenrich Williams, no updates. Uh, JRE coming off of a broken bone. Dignall's been very cautious with him. Um, just getting into that two or three would be humongous. Um, essentially, if you got, if you got three, the the worst possible pick you'd get is seven, and it's only a seven percent chance. Uh, if you got up to two, the worst possible pick would be six. And so, just getting up there is huge. And and this team, with how they played recently, with how injured they are, they're likely not going to win more than a couple games the rest of the way. Um, again, the Detroit game this week is going to be huge. Uh, they pay the Pelicans at least one more time. They're playing pretty bad. So there's going to be games in which the Thunder have a good shot to win. But if they're able to get into that top three, like this is a successful season in terms of their reverse standings and having um, essentially the most bites at the apple and then the highest percent chance to get one of those top picks. And similar to last year, although this is going to change pretty quickly as soon as the combine comes around and we get closer to the draft, this time last year, we were talking about it being like a three or four man class. And by the time Scotty Barnes skyrockets up, it's really a quote unquote five man class. Now that the season's gone on, um, maybe Jalen Suggs isn't great. Maybe Josh Giddy and, and Franz Wagner are actually like top five talents in this class. And so ultimately, like there's guys outside the top three or top four that will be good in this league. But history tells us the closer to pick number one, the higher the percent chance that you're going to get a superstar. And if you look at some of the guys um, in that current top four, where we consider them being like tier one prospects before there's somewhat of a drop off, um, you've got Paolo, you've got Chet, you've got Jabari, and you've got Jaden. If you're into a center and that's who you want, although none of these teams will likely be drafting based on position, but just theoretically, if you want a center, like Chet's your guy. If you want a forward slash wing, Jabari Smith or Paolo Bancaro are going to be your guys. If you want a guard, like no-brainer, Jaden Ivey at this point is your guy. When you get to five, that's when teams are are really going to be a mixed bag, as it stands today. Like I said, by the time the draft comes around, that could be completely different. This could be a five or six-man class. Somebody could could fall out of that top four uh, in that tier one that we're considering right now. But then you start to look at guys like Shaden Sharp and guys like Jalen Duran and Ben Matherin and... Keegan Murray, who I'm not super high on, but if you guys want to hear more about some of those um, top draft picks, go check out our Sunday show. We we talked a lot of reverse standings. We did some uh, tankathon spins. Uh, we talked about you know who might fit the Thunder, um, the the opportunity to pair some of those guys with SGA and Giddy, uh, what that means for Dort long term if they do end up going guard. Uh, do they trade him? Do they do they extend him? Do they Try to make it work with all these guards, especially with Trey Mann emerging. Like, I, I think it's way too early to say, yeah, we've got Trey Mann. There's there's no need to to roster Lou Dort if Trey's going to be this good because Lou is a elite defender, but he's also become a pretty solid scorer. I think, although his season's over, he ends up averaging like 17 and a half, almost 18 points per game, which is very impressive, even on a rebuilding team. Uh, but with that, 
I do want to do a couple of spins. Um, we did, like I said, a couple on the Sunday show. They ended up not being great, but let's uh, let's do a couple live here on the postgame show. All right, so spin number one. Again, tankathon.com. If you are not familiar, you should familiarize yourself. It's a it's an awesome tool. I'm going to go ahead and hit spin. And exactly what I just talked about, this team's jump every year on this spin, New Orleans jumps from 8 to 1, and they land the number one overall pick. Houston falls to 2, OKC 3, Sacramento 4, Detroit 5, Orlando 6. Obviously, that works in Oklahoma City's favor. Um, they jump us ball, they get the third pick. They're guaranteed, essentially, to get one of those top three prospects in their eyes. Whereas a team like Detroit and Orlando that has spent the entire season like being one of the worst teams in the entire NBA fall to five and six. Um, just goes to show that like every percentage point does matter. Uh, I'll spin it again. Opposite this time. Orlando jumps to one. Houston sticks at two. Indiana three. Sacramento four. Detroit five. OKC six. So in this scenario, Oklahoma City drops two spots. For the second year in a row, they land pick six. And it's going to be just like last year, if that's the case. Sam Presti is going to have to, to take a swing on a guy. Um, it may not be as like surprising or shocking as Josh Giddy was last year at six, um, but he could take a guy that that no one has on their radar in the top you know ten right now. Josh Giddy uh, this time last year was was not a bona fide top ten pick, so um, that would be an interesting situation. I'll do the third and final spin, and then we'll kind of walk through if that were the case. Um, like, like who might take who? Hit spin. Oh, wow. Okay. So third and final spin, Oklahoma City Thunder land the number one overall pick. Sacramento, geez, all three of these spins, Sacramento jumps. Uh, they land pick two, Houston at three, San Antonio at four, Detroit at five, Orlando at six. Um, let's, let's do a quick mock here. So in, in my head, Oklahoma City, if they had the number one overall pick, Although I don't, I wouldn't make this pick if I'm putting myself in, in Sam's shoes. I think Chet would probably be who they would take a number one just with his versatility. They need a big. Um, he's the kind of guy that stuffs the stat sheet and does everything on both ends. Seems like a presty pick. We'll pretend Oklahoma City takes Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, number one overall. Number two, Sacramento. Again, they jump three spots. I'm going to have Sacramento, since they just drafted Sabonis, like they don't necessarily need like a big bruising forward. I think that's what Sabonis is. I think that's what Paolo is, although he could play more on the wing at the NBA level. Um, I think maybe they take Jabari Smith, number two overall. I think he's a long-term three in this league, um, although he'll play a lot of four. He's kind of like a Jason Tatum to me. Um, long, rangy, can shoot, stretch the floor, play good defense. Um, I think he goes two to Sacramento in this situation, which brings us to Houston. At number three, this is interesting. Um, I know Houston fans would hate this pick. Um, they're very concerned based on based on at least uh, Rockets Twitter with the like combination of, of who Jalen Green plays with in the backcourt, that duo of the future. Sounds like most Rocket fans are out on KPJ as a starter. They prefer to see him in a sixth man role, similar to we talked about Trey Mann just being a, a spark plug facilitator off the bench. Um, a lot of them are not high on Jaden Ivey in, in the backcourt with Jalen Green, but I think that would be an awesome pairing. They're both highly explosive, can score the ball, play with swagger. I think that'd be a super fun backcourt. So just for, 
for argument's sake on this theoretical pod on Monday, March 21st, 2022. The Houston Rockets will say select Jaden Ivey with a third overall pick out of Purdue. And then San Antonio at four. Um, I don't think they get cute here. I think they would take Paolo at four. Um, although it wouldn't shock me if he did fall somewhat in the in the upcoming draft if he didn't test well at the combine. Um, there's some other kind of off the court issues with him potentially. Uh, that's that's pure speculation. There's been nothing reported, but you know there's there's been some things floated out there that um, you know maybe there's something about him off the court that teams may be shying away from. So we'll we'll, so we'll say they don't get cute. Um, he he gets put into a good situation in San Antonio and a good front office, and he thrives there. Which takes us to Detroit. At number five, they've got Cade. I don't. I'm not sold on Killian Hayes, so maybe they, maybe they look at a guard. Um, they've got Bagley. They've got Sadiq Bay. They've got Isaiah Stewart. Like they've got a really solid core. I think they go um, kind of swinging for the fences here. I don't like the fit of Jalen Duran on that team, just with Isaiah Stewart and with Marvin Bagley being on the roster. Isaiah Stewart's kind of that undersized power big. Um, Duran's not undersized. He's 6'11", but he's, he's not a seven footer. Um, I, I don't think he's a, um, like a, a true, true rim protecting big, like a Rudy Gobert. Like a lot of teams would like to have that, that seven, two guy. Um, let's go Shaden Sharp, number five to Detroit. They take a swing. Um, him and Cade Cunningham could be awesome. That would be two, um, two guards that were former number one players in their class joining up in Detroit. You slide Killian Hayes to the sixth man spot. You have Sadiq Bay at the three. Um, you've got Isaiah Stewart at the four or five. And then, um, you know, you figure out who else you want in that front court. If it is Bagley, great. If not, I think he'd be an awesome seventh or eighth man once he's fully developed and, and kind of fits in there. But I think that'd be a good a good step in the right direction for Detroit. Orlando at six. That's another team. We talked about this on the, on the Sunday night pod too. They've got a lot of guys at every position. Like you look top to bottom, their roster depth. I don't care if it's guard, wing, center. They've got a lot of guys. Like at guard, they've got Suggs. They've got Cole Anthony. They've got RJ Hampton. They've got Markel Fultz. You look at the wing. They've got um, Franz Wagner. They've got John Isaac, who if he ever freaking plays again, like can play three or four. Um, you got Wendell Carter. You got Mo Bamba. Like they've got a bunch of young guys that's a really hard pick to make. I think Orlando, like, they've, they've got to consolidate. I think they, they're a team that you, you you could see make a trade um, this summer. They trade a couple of their young guys, maybe a, a, a pick very far in the future with, with fairly heavy protections on it, and they try to consolidate and get somebody that is more bona fide. Um, but I think at pick six, that's really tough. Orlando at six would be kind of a nightmare situation for them. Let's go... Man, let's go Jalen Duran at six. I, again, they've got Wendell Carter, they got Mobamba. Maybe Mobamba walks this summer or gets traded. I believe he's a restricted free agent, but we'll go Jalen Duran. I think he could be really fun next to Wendell Carter. It's kind of contradictory to my point with Detroit. I think he's similar to Wendell Carter, just that like six eleven, you know, not 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 the the dominant, you know, huge wingspan, seven foot three guy, but would be fun on this Orlando team. So again, recapping that hypothetical mock draft. Um, Thunder at one, go Chet, Sacramento at two, go Jabari, Houston at three, go Jaden Ivey, uh, San Antonio at four, go Palo, Detroit at five, um, Orlando at six, and they're going to take Shaden Sharp five and Jalen Duran six. Um, 
with that, I know I went way off the rails. Uh, I think on a lot of these late season post game pods, I think it's fun to, to spend maybe half the time going through the actual game and the other half look into the future. Because if you're if you're following the Thunder, covering the Thunder at this point, it's all about what happens over the next couple of weeks into the off season. Um, less important what happens on a night to night basis. You just hope for some fun stat lines and, and seeing some growth out of these guys, and we certainly saw that tonight. So again. Um, wrapping it up here we'll be back with you guys wednesday night for a huge game against orlando magic but tonight the thunder falls boston celtics by a final score of 132 to 123